You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 27th, 2016. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about on today's episode, the Orlando Magic defeating the Memphis Grizzlies 112 to 102, and it wasn't even really that close. A fantastic game, a fantastic effort for the Orlando Magic coming off the Christmas break. The couple days off did them a lot of good, and they played extremely well. We'll have a complete breakdown of that game on today's episode. Also, talk a little bit about the youngsters. I know the guys that everyone on everyone, judging by the comment section on on at least one of these articles that I'm going to talk about today, everyone is talking about the young guys, Aaron Gordon, Alfred Payton, and yes, we'll talk a little bit about Mario Hazonia and his situation and, and why I, I I don't think it's a particularly good one, but we'll, we'll see how things turn out. Before we get going, I do want to just bring a, just say a quick reminder to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're not a Magic fan, you happen to stumble onto this podcast, welcome. You know, Magic fans are, are nice, welcoming people. You know, we... You know, we, we get passionate about our team, uh, as long as you're not a Heat fan or Laker fan or anything like that. You know, even a Rockets fan. We don't like the Rockets. We don't like the Bulls either. Don't really like the Pretty much, if your team has beaten the Magic in the playoffs, we don't like you. But other than that, we're a very welcoming group. Love having people on. But if the Magic aren't your cup of tea, you should, be, you should go check out your team on the Locked On Podcast Network. Every team in the NBA is covered with a daily podcast Downloaded directly to your audio listening device via iTunes, Audio Boom, uh, Locked On Magic's available on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio as well. I'm going to be uh, hosting the Locked On Hornets podcast, and the and the crew over there at Hive Talk Live do a fantastic job covering the Charlotte Hornets. I'm excited to have them on board for a, a preview of Wednesday's game. So be sure to download and check them out, as well as the other great podcasts, including Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. If you're a fantasy basketball player. The Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is a must-download every single day. Josh breaks down the fantasy impact of every game uh, throughout the league and, and what you should be doing to improve your roster so that you can make the playoffs and win the fantasy gold. I know he has some strong opinions about Alfred Payton, especially with the way he's been playing lately. We'll get into that on today's show. But let's start off with the game. The Orlando Magic defeating the Memphis Grizzlies 112-102. And like I said, it was not even that close. Orlando blew the doors open on Memphis from the very beginning. They got the ball moving. They got three-pointers. Jody Meek scored all 13 of his points in the first quarter to really set a tone. He became a threat. And from there, the Magic were attacking, 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 attacking. And they dominated on the offensive end. And like the block shots in Friday's game against the Lakers... Seeing those those threes go in, seeing those shots go in, made the Magic's defense that much better. And the Magic did play some exceptional defense against Memphis. Maybe they over-rotated a few times. Maybe they uh, got a little too aggressive going for steals. Or, or loose ball was there. They missed it. They, they got knocked out of position. But generally, the Magic were in the right spots defensively. And generally, the Magic made life very hard for Memphis's top guys. Marcus Gasol, 11 points, 4 for 9 shooting. The Magic did a good job denying him the ball making him take tough fadeaway jumpers and tough jump shots in general. So credit goes to Bismack Biombo and Nikola Vucevic on that. Uh, Mike Conley, really the only guy that got things going in that starting lineup with 17 points on 6-8 shooting. Uh, but again, 
a lot of that was the shots the Magic wanted him to take. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, chances where he was like like I said, the Magic's defense is very focused on getting guards, corralling them into the kind of mid post corner, uh, so that bigs can can stay connected to to the post players. Uh, and it's a really tricky in between shot. And Conley was making that shot for most of the game, but. He was right where the Magic wanted. They played into their hands. And generally, the Magic did a great job contesting on threes, did a great job, uh, not a fantastic job keeping them off the foul line, but did a great job limiting them to one shot. Memphis had only one offensive rebound in the first half. They ended up with three for the game, uh, only scored two points, two second chance points on the game. So the Magic defense did its job holding Memphis to one shot pretty consistently throughout the game. Like I said, Orlando took the lead in this one early, up 36-18. to They took as large as a 29-point lead, just raced out in front of them, and just continued to attack at all at all corners. Alfred Payton was a big part of that attack. He was able to get into the paint uh, once he got into the game uh, and just dish and, and really eviscerate and eviscerate the, the Memphis defense, and this is a really strong Memphis defense. I know Memphis has had some struggles lately with uh, Chandler Parsons returning and Mike Conley returning there. They're still kind of, I think, settling into the rotation and figuring some things out, but Memphis just could not get on the same page. They could not corral Payton. They could not corral really anyone who decided to attack the basket. They couldn't corral the post players, and, and the Magic were making jump shots to their credit too, and that made them all the more dangerous throughout the game, and it was an important game for the Magic to win, and, and win big like this. It was a big confidence-boosting win on that. Peyton, again, driving into the paint, doing everything that he needed to do, scored 16 points, 6 for 10 shooting, 7 assists, but the real star of the night, the guy that we have to talk, we're going to talk about at length today, Aaron Gordon. What needs to be said about him? Final stat line, 30 points, 11 for 15 shooting, 4 for 4 from beyond the arc, 4 for 5 from the foul line, 15 points in the third quarter alone, scored 12 in a row at one point, right when Memphis was making a run to to bring the lead down underneath 20 points. I mean, that's the kind of run we're talking about here. We're not talking about crazy run to get within 10. 10. That that came at the end of the game. Troy Daniels just started hitting threes uh, in garbage time when the game was clearly out of reach. Uh, but Aaron Gordon pushed Shetley back out over 20 and put the nail in the coffin. And it wasn't just the fact that Aaron Gordon was scoring a lot of points. It was the way he was scoring points. He had one crossover move, duped a guy completely out of his shoes, pulled up for three, made it. A lot of, uh, a lot of those plays that we don't like seeing Aaron Gordon make, honestly, where he's dribbling a little bit too much and then pulling up for a jumper. He was making all those shots today. Uh, he had one, his last point of the game came, uh, shot clock was expiring, the ball was tipped out, Gordon caught the ball maybe 35 feet from the basket, he makes a Stephen Curry three, I, I literally sat there, uh, we, you know, we had seats on the baseline uh, with the media today uh, for the game, I, I literally sat there and just said, pop it, good, and it, it, was, just, it was that kind of night for Aaron Gordon, he just had that flow, he had that feel, and he was dominating the game uh offensively, especially in that third quarter. He was efficient. He was lethal. The confidence, you could just feel that confidence spreading out throughout the team. Not just, it eventually got to Aaron, but it started out early with Jody Meeks, spread over to Alfred Payton, spread over to G. Augustine, spread over to, to Nikola Vucic, spread over to Serge Ibaka, spread over to Bismack Biombo. Biombo had like a running uh, fadeaway jumper that just came out of nowhere over Marc Gasol. It was really impressive. It was that kind of night for the Magic. 
They were making just about everything, and it was an important win for the Magic as well. Uh, you know, we've had a you know, few good games uh, since the Toronto one. You know, we lost in New York, but we played better than we did uh, against that Toronto game. So, you know, hopefully we can keep it up, uh, you know, get this next one against Charlotte, you know, finish up the year the right way, uh, and, you know, and finish this month off in the 9-7. That'll be pretty good for us. That, of course, Nikola Vucevic talking about the Magic's win and hoping that the Magic can build off this and, and build some consistency. Certainly, they, they're playing a lot better than they did two weeks ago against the Toronto Raptors when they got blown out at home. Even that loss in New York, I think uh, Frank Vogel said, you know, they still played with a, a pure spirit, as he likes to say. Uh, they, they just got out they got outworked, but they were still doing the right things. You saw them miss a lot of open shots that, that maybe they would normally make. This was a game where they made a lot of contested shots that maybe they wouldn't normally make, but Orlando did the work otherwise. They, they Again, they, they it doesn't look that way because of the final score of the 102 points, but the Magic really did play some very stellar defense against a good Memphis team. Uh, they earned this win. They dominated this win. They did not trail at all, uh, and they were the clear better team on this day, at least, against the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's run through the final stats real fast. Aaron Gordon, again, 30 points, 11 for 15 shooting, uh, only one rebound, but if you're arguing about that, I think you're you're focusing on the wrong thing. Aaron Gordon looked really, really good. We'll get to him in just a moment. Serge Ibaka, Alfred Payton, 16 points. Ibaka made 6 of 11, 6 rebounds as well for him. Uh, Nikola Vucevic with 13 and 9, 13 points, 9 rebounds. Jody Meeks, as I said, 13 points all in the first quarter, 3 for 5 shooting from beyond the arc, and then rounding it out, 10 points each from Bismack Biombo. Biombo with 12 rebounds, and DJ Augustin, with 10 and 10 points and 7 assists as well. Magic shoot 50.6% from the floor, 13 for 26 from beyond the arc. Win the rebounding battle 44 to 35, hold the Grizzlies only to three offensive rebounds. Commit only nine turnovers. They only had one turnover I think at halftime. So, if you're looking for a reason why the Grizzlies were able to to sneak back and sneak back and not make it a game, but make Magic fans go, "Hold on a second. We've lost a 14-point lead to this team already. Let's not tempt fate." Turnovers were a big part of that, but the Magic got those under control, made the plays they needed to win the game, and a really fine, probably 40-minute performance. Once once the bench players got in, things got a little bit out of control, but the Magic played a very strong game, a game that they should be very happy about, uh, that they can build on and hopefully uh, see if they can build a winning streak. This is their first two-game winning streak uh, since the road trip uh, when they won at uh, when they won at Detroit and at Washington. So, you know, they're, they're, they seem to be getting back on that track. And as Nikola Vucevic mentioned, a big one coming up Wednesday against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, veritable six-pointer. I mean, if, you, if, if you've looked at the NBA standings, if you looked at the Eastern Conference standings lately, the Magic actually have more wins in the eighth-place Milwaukee Bucks. They're technically a game out of the eighth place in the Eastern Conference and not more than two or three games out of sixth. So even out of fifth. And Charlotte's a very good team, but Charlotte's had some struggles lately. And so this is a big interconference game that is going to, uh, you know, help determine some standings. And I know the Magical have a little bit of revenge on their minds after the way Charlotte did them uh, earlier this month. Again, we're going to have a long conversation about the Charlotte Hornets on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. We'll be talking with uh, a guest from Locked on Hornets about Charlotte, how they've rebuilt uh, how their team is doing, and, and the expectations for them as well. So be sure to download the Locked On Magic podcast tomorrow uh, for that conversation. Should be a lot of fun. But today, I do want to talk about probably two players, certainly 
two, two players that have a lot of attention put on them, a lot of pressure put on them, and a lot of expectation put on them. And, and that is uh, the Orlando Magic's two draft picks from the 2014 NBA draft. Uh, uh, pretty much the way I describe it, and this may be completely unfair to them and completely unfair to, to the Magic in some ways, but... The 2014 draft is essentially the draft the Magic tanked two seasons for. They were obviously chasing Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker, as most teams were. They were slotted to finish third in that lottery. They ended up fourth. They were the only team that fell out of that lottery. And they got a, you know, not a bad consolation prize, because I think Aaron Gordon's a good player, but it was a three-star draft, and the Magic drafted fourth. That's a tough place for any player to be in, and that's the situation that Aaron Gordon walked into. The Magic drafting Aaron Gordon in 2014 was a complete surprise. Uh, I, I think if you go back and look at how everyone reacted, I think everyone expected that pick to be Dante Exum. Uh, they expected there was no one saw Aaron Gordon rising. He is this bundle of athleticism and potential. And in the three years and in the two years that he's played beforehand. He's been, again, a bundle of athleticism and potential without any clear direction, without any clear results of how he's going to play or how he's going to be as an NBA player. The Magic originally slotted him as a power forward. They kind of saw him, uh, at least Jacques Vaughn and James Borrego and Scott Skiles saw him as a, as a uh, really just a tweener forward. I mean, I think Rob Hennigan always described him as he's a forward. This is who he is. Uh, you know, we don't see him as a power forward or a small forward. Maybe they could get away with that because they had Tobias Harris. That narrative changed dramatically this summer. And, and and Gordon dealt with some injuries, and he never really got going as far as what he could become. There are flashes here and there, but nothing concrete, nothing at all concrete about who he could be. And so the ma- And so the Magic, you know, had big expectations for him to take a leap of some sort, to really begin to define himself. But they took a big risk this summer as well uh, after primarily playing power forward, and he really split his time between the two forward positions. Technically, according to basketball reference, it was about a 60-40 split power forward to small forward. The Magic took a huge risk. They brought in Serge Ibaka to be their power forward, and then they ultimately decided, we're going to make Aaron Gordon our our small forward. And perhaps Frank Vogel put on some unrealistic expectations on him saying, we want to use him like I use Paul George. And that's just, he's not the same player as Paul George. He's not a natural gifted scorer. He's got a jumper that still needs a lot of work, and the stats bear that out as well. But in a lot of ways, I think defining his position has helped him out tremendously. It's helped him out on the defensive end, most of all, and it's beginning to help him out on the offensive end. Few players on this Magic team are more inconsistent than Aaron Gordon. There's just no way around it. And a lot of it is because of this uncertainty about his position and where he's meant to play or where he's supposed to play and where he's kind of supposed to be on the floor. Slowly, though, he's getting more comfortable with being on the perimeter. And a game like Monday nights is exactly the kind of game that the Magic want to see from him more often, obviously. He's had two 30-point games now in the last two weeks. But a game like Monday night showed exactly what he can be at his very best. Again, Gordon scored 30 points, 11 for 15 shooting, made all four of his threes, four for five from the foul line. Gordon was, in a word, in the zone. I guess that was three words. 
but he was in the zone. Every shot he took was going in. And there are, I mean, these are all NBA players. They're used to making shots at, at one level of basketball or another. But to have this kind of game at the NBA level and to do it twice within a short time period, that says something, doesn't it? That says that there's something there. Now, maybe it hasn't developed as quickly as we would like with Gordon or as the Magic would like with Gordon. Perhaps, you know, these are rare occasions and and Gordon has to learn how to be a consistent 15-point-per-game scorer. Maybe that's where the Magic need him or, you know, continue to bump up. It's also important to remember he's only 21 and he's got a long way to go still to improve. His year stats now, 10.3 points per game. This is entering... Uh, entering uh, a Monday's game only through 32 games. 10.3 points per game. It's career high on that. He's shooting 30.6% from beyond the, 30.6% from beyond the arc, which is a, a, an improvement, especially considering he's taking uh, 3.1 three-point attempts per game. He'd never averaged more than two in his previous two seasons. His, so shot volume is going up. Uh, still, I think he's still being a little cautious and the Magic being cautious with how they use him and how they value his shots. He is shooting a, a, a career-worst 42.1% from the floor, but a lot of that, I think, is also they've taken him away from the basket. They've tried to do some new things with him. And, yes, he has struggled a little bit with that. But I think, again, Monday's game shows what Gordon can be and the promise that he still has. That there is, in this bundle of potential, there is a really strong player. Maybe not a star. You know, I don't know if I, I'm. I don't know if I'm counting on Aaron Gordon to be this team's star, but I've seen enough from him to say this guy is a future All NBA first team player, All All NBA defensive first team player, not All NBA first team. That that would be a star. There is a future All NBA first te- first team defensive player on this uh, in this guy, and there's a guy that from time to time is going to get you a 20, 25 point night, but should be solid for 15, 16 points per game. I think that's fully capable for Gordon. And a game like this proves it to me. Because when he's aggressive and he's in rhythm, and as he continues to improve his shot, he's going to be in rhythm a lot more and, and feel more confident. When he's confident like this, he is a really special player. Because few few teams have anyone that can handle a player like Gordon. Frank Vogel said in his press after the game that they try to use their small forwards in the post. They know they have a size advantage with Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon in the post. And Gordon certainly, against the Clippers, feasted on having J.J. Redick and Austin Rivers guard him with, with the Clippers not having a true small forward out on the floor. And so, they recognize that they have a tweener here, that they have someone. And I think the Magic have scaled back the pick and rolls they run they run for him. They've scaled back a lot of those plays where he's dribbling the ball around a lot and, and focusing more on getting him the ball in positions where he can catch and shoot, where he's mildly effective, but certainly it's more effective than when he has to put the ball on the floor, or situations where he doesn't have to go very far to get to the basket. And on top of all that, they are encouraging him to run, get out on the break. If there's an open space, cut to it. And, and present yourself as a target to go out and score the basket. Score the basketball. You take all those things together, and, and yeah, Gordon can do some really special things and, and put up points in a little bit of a junkyard manner, but but kind of in a hurry. 
he's continuing to build that confidence. And and one player that I think we're really seeing confidence get grow and continue to improve is an Alfred Payton. And more than Gordon, perhaps, Alfred Payton can really change a game with his ability to get downhill and get to the paint and get to the basket. And Payton is a really gifted finisher on top of all this. Entering the game on Monday, he was averaging 11.7 points per game, shooting a career-best 49.1% effective field goal percentage, uh, including 52.1% on two-point field goals. He's shooting a career-worst 25.7% on three-pointers, again, taking more three-pointers, so 2.33 pointers per game. Magic are encouraging him to shoot when he's open, and, and he's shooting a little bit more confidently than he had before. In Monday's game... He scores 16 points, 7 assists, 6 for 10 shooting, and again, was getting downhill. When we see Alfred Payton struggle, it's all about pace with Alfred Payton. I really believe this. It's always about pace with Alfred Payton. If he's standing there kind of dribbling the ball at the top of the key, not really going anywhere, he is going to struggle. And the Magic are going to struggle because he can't get the ball moving. When he's going side to side and staying on the perimeter, that's when his bad, that's when his poor jump shooting comes into effect. He doesn't get into a rhythm going into his jump shot and things go wrong. And the ball doesn't move on top of all that. When Alfred Payton though is getting into the paint, when he's going north-south, especially in transition, he's able to get to the basket and finish. He's able to pull up and hit a hit a nice little elbow jumper. He's got he's got a nice little elbow jumper going for him right now. And he builds confidence. If there's one thing you can say about moving him to the bench, and, and there's plenty you can say about it, whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision for his development, he builds confidence going up against second unit guards and the second unit to start the game, and that helps him compete with starters later in the game. That helps him finish those games because Alfred Payton is still finishing a lot of these games. And he's shooting confidently, and he's getting into the paint, and he's dishing the ball extremely well because his first inclination is still to pass. And if he can get the defense to collapse around him, he's a really strong player. If you haven't read it yet, there's a great Vice Sports article from last week on Alfred Payton. Um, you can go look it up. I, I'm blanking on on the writer, so I apologize. I don't want to get it wrong. I think it was, I think it was Michael Pina who wrote it. But really good, interesting article on what Peyton does that maybe doesn't show up on the back box score, uh, and how it affects the team. Take these two players together. Take Aaron Gordon and take Alfred Peyton together, and you have a two players that. The Magic banked a lot on in the 2014 draft to, to be the future of the franchise. And it has taken some time for them to get to that level, to get to the level that they need them to get at. But when both when Peyton especially is playing really well, the Magic are a significantly better team because he can, he can really direct traffic really well and manage a team as a point guard. When he's playing confidently and teams have to respect his drive, he becomes extremely dangerous for the Magic. In the same way Aaron Gordon can become extremely dangerous when he goes on these scoring binges. And I think these scoring... I don't know if he'll score 30 points more often than not any, you know, more the rest of the season. But certainly, if he can get into a comfortable 12 to 14 points per game, that's all this team needs from him. To be a threat on the perimeter, to be a little bit of a threat off the dribble, to be a threat in transition especially. You know, Gordon can really begin to blossom. And I think what the Magic are seeing are these two players really beginning to blossom in a major way. It's exciting and encouraging, and um, I'm taking great pride in, uh, you know, just uh, watching those guys grow and develop. 
You know, they're they're kind of like the the, the two young guys that we kept in the rotation. Mario will have his time. You know that um, we're going to be the, the two developing guys around a, a bunch of veterans that we made moves to get this off season, and um, we knew they're going to be you know a little bit up and down as young players. But you know, like I said when I took the job, they're not you know rookie young players. They're you know, third year guys, and hopefully uh, you know they got a lot of their growing pains behind them and are ready to come into their own. And uh, you know, it seems like um, either one or the other is having a you know a career night, and just about every night of late. And you know, hopefully that continues. And of course, Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton certainly are getting the opportunity to do that, and they're and they're shining. But as as he probably noted in there, there is one young player that is missing from the rotation that I think a lot of Magic fans want to see, just because the Magic spent a very valuable asset on him in the fifth pick of the 2015 NBA draft. And, of course, I'm talking about Mario Hazonia, perhaps the most debated and interesting Magic player out there, a a guy who just right now isn't getting much of an opportunity and everyone wants to see him get it. As Frank Vogel said there, at some point Mario Hazonia will get his opportunity. He'll get back in the rotation right now, uh, at least if you you believe what, what Vogel said after Monday's game. It, it, he just doesn't want to spend the he, the magic right now as they're trying to get into the playoff race. Just cannot afford the time to develop players on top of uh, trying to win games. And then the Magic are trying to win games. There's no doubt about that. And they've got to play the best players to win those games. And that leaves Mario in a very difficult situation because he hasn't played very well. Uh, you know, you look at his statistics; they're not good. Uh, you know, he's shooting less than 20% from beyond the arc. And again, a lot of that's some of his playing time. But but even before, when he was in, in the rotation, he was really struggling to make shots. And his defense was not very good either. I mean, his the last time he played meaningful minutes for the Magic was against the Denver Nuggets. And he allowed Juancho Hernan Gomez to score, I think, 12 points in the second quarter on four three-pointers. Uh, he, he just, he just loses, guy, loses his man. And he did get a little bit of extended run on Monday's game, about four and a half minutes of play for him. Missed his only shot, a three-pointer. Uh, it was a little bit short, just just didn't seem to be in rhythm. Had a really bad turnover where he got caught in a trap on the backcourt, just lost control of the ball, just a really not paying attention to detail, not being ready to be out on the floor. You don't want to judge too much on it. Obviously, it was a short bit of playing time. It's not enough to say, oh, this is why he never plays, but... You know, it, it wasn't a good good look for him. It wasn't a good sign for him either. Uh, but obviously, Hisonia still has chances to earn his way in practice. By all accounts, he is doing the right things in practice. He's coming in, getting his shots up, doing the work uh, to, to, to try and earn playing time. He's just not quite getting it there, whether it's because C.J. Watson's beating him out or whatever the case may be. Hisonia uh, is struggling to get there. And... What's more difficult to understand than that is Frank Vogel has said, and I think most of us would agree, that there is no substitute for playing time. You know, you can practice all you want, but a game is different. And I know someone made the comment to me that it just looked like Hazonia wasn't used to game speed when when he came into the game, and that's why he rushed a shot and missed it short, or that's why he he turned the ball over, or, or whatever the case may be. And there might be something to that in the end. But this is a results business. And the Magic are after results. So it's tough to justify playing someone on a regular basis who 
is struggling from the floor, struggling to do the thing he's supposed to be an NBA player at. I mean, Hazonia was drafted knowing that he was a project, but also knowing that he could be a knockdown shooter. And he's struggling to do that. It's hard to even play him as a spot-up shooter right now because he's missing shots. It's a cycle for sure. He can't get in the he can't get on the court because he isn't earning the playing time and he can't earn the playing time because he's not getting on the court and showing what he can do. The easy answer is to send him to Erie and send him to the D League, but I think that is dangerous in itself because of a number of reasons. The Magic do like to keep their players close to them, close on the roster so that they can practice with the team. They feel that it's more valuable to practice against NBA players and to play with D-League players. Um, but it's also, again, you don't want to kill the kid's confidence and, and make it sound like a demotion. You don't want to... And, and like it's different for a guy like Stephen Zimmerman, who was drafted in the second round, knows he's got to work his way onto a roster. Uh, and, and I was probably sold coming to the Magic knowing that he would play a significant amount of time in the D-League his rookie year. C.J. Wilcox is kind of the same way. He knows he's not getting any minutes. He's been in the league three years. He's looking to push his way onto the rotation. With Azonia, he was in the rotation and he fell out. You don't want to kill the kid's confidence anymore. The truth of the matter is, though, and and I, I do believe this, the truth of the matter is, though, it kind of feels like this is just the wrong situation for a player like Mario Azonia. We knew he was a project when the Magic drafted him. He fit a need. They hoped that he could fill it. And he did okay his rookie year. But obviously, Scott Skiles kept a very tight leash. You know, he made a few mistakes, he'd come out. And that can hurt a kid's confidence as much as anything, too. To be afraid to make mistakes, because you know it affects your playing time, can be very bad for young players. And for a player like Azonia, it just feels like, and this isn't an excuse for how poorly he's played, but it just feels like he needs the opportunity to go out and make mistakes. And that's something the Magic can't afford to give him right now. They can't afford to let Hazonia turn the ball over, miss a lot of threes, be in the wrong spot defensively. They're trying to win games. They're in the playoff hunt, and they're trying to win games now. They've got to put the best players out there. And not just the best players out there, the players that are going to produce. Because Hazonia's talented as heck. Hazonia's got so much talent. And I think he can still become something. But for me, when I, when I think of rookies, situation matters. You get put in the wrong situation, you get put in the wrong environment, and it doesn't matter necessarily how good you might be or how talented you might be. You will get lost in the shuffle or you will start having bad habits. And to me, Hizoni needs to go someplace where he can just kind of be free and just play and not have to think about things. Not have to think, not look over his shoulder wondering if his minutes are going to get taken away if he makes a mistake or he's going to get yanked for making a mistake. Everyone wants to win, obviously. So, you know, being in a winning environment is a good thing, typically. The Magic just haven't been able to provide everything Hazonia needs. Having said all that, perhaps Vogel is playing the long game with us again. If you recall last year with Miles Turner, Turner did not play much of the first half of his rookie year. He ended up still playing 60-some-odd games, but he did not figure a big part of Indiana's rotation last year. Frank Vogel brought him along slowly. 
And in the second half of the year, we saw what Miles Turner became and what an impact he made on the Indiana Pacers last year. So there is still plenty of hope in Mario Hazonia. There is still plenty of belief that he can squeeze his way into the rotation at some point in the future. 82 games is a long season. The Magic are only 33 games into the season. They've still got, they've still got what, 49 games to go. It's a lot of games to play. Hizonia will get his opportunity, just like every player on an NBA roster gets their opportunity. And so the situation right now does not look good for a young player like Mario Hazonia. But as Vogel seems to as Vogel seems to suggest, sorry about that. As Vogel seems to suggest, if Hazonia can keep the faith, if Hazonia continues to do the work, continues to trust the process, of course, and continues to learn and improve behind closed doors, he will get that opportunity on the main court. He will get that opportunity to play. And that opportunity he needs to take advantage of when it comes. I want to thank everyone again for listening to the Locked on Magic podcast today. Hope it was a good one. Hope you enjoyed enjoyed. I hope you had a great holidays again. Uh, a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrated this weekend. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good one. Hope you enjoyed the Magic's win over the Memphis Grizzlies. It was a very enjoyable game, a 112-102 victory over the Grizzlies at the Amway Center. Again, you can follow the Locked on Magic podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. You can also follow us on Facebook. Like, give us a like. We do need we do need some more likes. I got ten likes on the Facebook page. Put some fun stuff up there uh, as well um, as well as the podcast every morning. So be sure to like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can also find me on Twitter at Omagic Daily, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. We do appreciate those comments and rankings. That does help us get the word out about the podcast. On tomorrow's episode, we'll be doing a preview of the Magic's game against the Hornets. Have a conversation with uh, the Locked On Hornets podcast. So be excited for that. Should be a fun conversation. I've got some interesting questions to ask them about the Hornets and and how they go about things and, and their season so far. That will do it for me for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossman Reich. Thank you all for listening to the Locked On Magic podcast. We will see you all tomorrow. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.